You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of the show where we take a wander around the week in Apple, Apple News, Reviews, Technology, Associated Products and all sorts of other things that catch our eye. This is another episode of the Essential Apple Podcast. Hello everybody, welcome to the show. Um, funny old week on the news front, I have to admit. Um, I'm joined by Nick. Hello Nick. Hi Simon. Yeah, good to be here as always on a Sunday doing yeah. our recording. Doing our Sunday afternoon recording. Um, Jim was here, but his Mac has decided it needs to restart and do a, a Big Sur update. And just as we were about to, uh, just as we were about to start the show, we got the doot that tells us he's dropped off. Uh, and he's messaged me to say, "Bleeding Mac started the install. I'll be back as soon as I can." <laughs> So, Jim will appear at some point, we hope. There we are. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah. Um, one of those. Don't click OK when you don't mean to. Oh, no. I've clicked OK. Oh, dear. Well, uh, as I say, funny old week in the news, Nick. Not a lot super going on. Of course, um, I guess the biggest story, which I haven't even bothered to put in the notes, is the March event is not happening. Despite all the rumours, uh, there is no sign of any March event. Um, they could ju- they could just send out the invites on the 23rd and say, surprise! Yes, they could. <laughs> they? Just, just, just to, you know. We are having one today after all. <laughs> I'm just wondering if they're, you know, if they were just yanking all the leakers' chains, to be honest. Um, oh, quite probably. Uh, I mean, all the, all the leakers and prognosticators are now saying, oh, it's going to be in April. It's going to be in April. Um, John Prosser, in a kind of weaselly, um, I consider a fairly weaselly statement, said, well, I had a source inside Apple telling me it was April, but everybody else was saying March, so I thought I must be, you know, they must have something I didn't know. But that sounds a bit like trying to get out of it after the event, if you want my <laughs> honest opinion. Yes. yes, when I said the 23rd, I meant April, not the 23rd of March. <laughs> you know, I just typed it wrong. A, mo- a bloke <laughs> told me it was going to be in April, but I didn't listen to him yeah i was pressured by all the other big boys to go along with the march prediction <laughs> as you would if you've got an inside source yes you, you, uh, the, you'd obviously believe the people who don't know <laughs> <laughs> so there you go so yeah. there is no march event um there may of course be um something in april or there may not we as ever wait with bated breath to see what Apple do. This is why I don't pay any attention to people like Prosser and most of the rest of them, I'll be honest. There we are. Yeah. Um so there we are. What else? Um apparently Brazil has fined Apple over the lack of charges in the iPhone twelve box, according to nine to five Mac, and I believe they have been fined the equivalent of two million US dollars. Um which uh really is probably pocket change to Apple. I'm pretty sure that's not going to bother them very much. I suspect they saved a lot more than two million in charges they didn't put in the boxes. So 
And so it's the consumer protection regulator that's fined them. Mm -hmm. Apparently, ah. um, they did not Misleading demonstrate advertising. It did not demonstrate environmental gain. Um, well, I, yeah, I've got some sympathy with that. I mean, it, it doesn't, does it? I mean, all they're doing is saving a little bit of money, sending it out. And okay, there's, there's probably less waste as well. But as we, I think we commented when when they were talking about leaving the charges out a while ago, that you know, why not? Why not just give a, t a tick box and allow people to select it if they need it? Yes, I, I'm not quite sure I understand. Other than as you, we as we also said back then, <laughs> it's Apple yet again saying, oh, we can, we can sell them the charges separate. Mm. Um, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. But, I'm not. Uh, but as you say, two million is neither here nor there for Apple. Um, apparently, aside from charger removal, um, Procon SP states other problems such as misleading advertisers. Uh, apparently, iPhone 11 Pro consumers reported that Apple would not repair their phones after problems with water. Um, some users reported problems with some functions on their phones after updating, which... Apple didn't help them with, um, and Apple exempts itself from legal and implicit guarantees against hidden or not apparent defects, apparently, according to them. So, yeah. Brazil are not particularly happy. Um, Doesn't sound like it, does it? There we go. Um, I kind of see their point. I did. It, it's complicated and, you know, consumer law varies from place to place. I was never really convinced by the whole removing the charger thing. You know. Yeah, in some ways it makes you realise why Apple has to have its own in-house legal team, really. I mean, when you're selling into so many countries, yeah. um, it, it must be a bit of a nightmare. <laughs> it's an absolute minefield, I'm sure. I mean, they really have dug themselves into one, though, with that, haven't they? I mean, the French and various other people were up in arms about the removal of the headphones. Um, yeah. You know, it's all... Um, Again, the, the the removal of the wired, you know, lightning earbuds, uh, earpods. Yes. I I can also see, you know, why consumer people would be upset about about that because you can't just go in any garage and pick up a pair of one pound ninety nine, you know, wired earbuds. You've got to buy lightning ones. Yes. Um, or you've got to have the dongle. Um, there you go. So, hmm. But yes, as a fine, that's piddling, and uh, I'm sure Apple have just gone. Yeah, yeah. Here's a check. Thank you. <laughs> that's right. We look down the back. Got him in that yeah. Pocket. I found I found some down the back of the sofa. Here you go. Um. So there we go. Um. Apple apparently are going to allow Russia to pre-install apps on iPhones as part of the device setup, according to Nine to Five Mac. And um, Apple has bent the rules for Russia, and other countries will take note, which was from Wired. Um, Russian iPhone buyers will soon be prompted to install software developed in the country, setting a precedent that other authoritarian governments may well follow. Um, this is another one of those ones we've talked about before, Nick. You know, those are the rules. The Russians have imposed these laws. You know, whether we think they're fair or not is not relevant. Um, Apple either has to comply with the rules or get out of Russia. It's as simple as that. Um, it would appear from uh, these articles that basically, um, you know, Russian users will present, be presented with a dialogue which, you know, suggests that they install various... Um, right, apps. so they're not pre—they're not actually pre-installed, but they are suggested when they're setting them up. In accordance with the new <laughs> Russian law, Apple users will see a dialog box on initial setup that features web browsers, antivirus, messengers, email clients, and more to be installed by default. Uh, 
All the apps on the list are pre-selected to be installed as part of the setup. However, a users can deselect them if they don't want them. These pre-installed apps will also be deletable after the setup is complete. Um, there's the uh, 9to5Mac saying this is a big thing for Apple to allow. They have fought hard to prevent carriers or retailers from having influence over the iPhone experience. Mm. Um, this stands in contrast to Android market, where it is the norm for phones to come in pre-installed with bloatware. Um, well, and all the Google stuff, in all honesty. I mean, it is written by Google, so they don't. Yeah. They don't <laughs> all the Google stuff is there um, installed on the phone, just like the Apple stuff is. So I, I think, I think they're talking about if you buy really. if you buy a Samsung or one of those, you know, often they come with a whole load of their own stuff. Um, yes. Yeah, without a doubt. Yes, there is extra stuff added in. Yeah, you know. Um, Apple have previously threatened to leave the Russian market if the law came into effect, but has clearly not followed through on this threat and is complying with the law. Um, I guess they ran the numbers and decided that... Um... At some point, you, as a big company like Apple, at some point you do have to make a decision about whether you want to abide by the laws in that country or just not do business there. Yeah. And that, that that's the choice. Any company that deals with uh, other regimes like China or Russia or all sorts of places yeah. in the world. Or, or lots uh, of other. Someone has to make that decision. And uh, whether it's the right decision is, you know, down to how you how you see. I mean, I would say it may have been that Apple threatened to withdraw from Russia if the rules were too strict. Enforced. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's possible. Um, it's possible they got their own way a little bit through negotiations. Because it would appear so that they... here that, yeah, the Russians are saying we're going to basically attempt to pre-install a load of stuff on your phone, but you can select not to have it. And even if you have yeah. it, you can delete it other afterwards. So it's it's not like mandated. They're just, try, I guess, trying to say, well, we'd prefer if you had a Russian browser and a Russian email client and a, you know, a Russian messenger. Um, but I mean, in some, I mean, talking, looking at the moral side of things, I mean, we all struggle with it. I mean, I, I, I struggle with the fact that we do so much business with China and, um, but we don't really get any choice. You know, what I mean? no matter what we buy, <laughs> it's probably being made in China. Yes, um, and it if makes it... it makes it very difficult to take a, the moral high ground. And well, you... the moral high ground is don't don't have a device. Yeah, um, no. it, it's it's not a oh instead I'll buy this device. It's a just don't buy a device at all. Yeah, and um, but to, you know to some extent, as you say, we're. <sighs> We're kind of, tra you know, you, it would be very difficult to say I'm not having anything that's made in China because I disapprove of the Chinese government because your fridge and your oven and your vacuum cleaner. <laughs> Almost everything. If yes. they weren't, if they're not actually manufactured in China, you can guarantee that they contain a load of parts that were made in China, circuit boards and processors yes. and... Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lord yeah, knows right. what else. So you, you just... The we way know, we the live world. in a global economy, whether we like it or not. Yes, exactly. You're kind of <laughs> yeah. stuck with it. Um. So there you go. Um, yes, I, 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 I kind of get the bit from Wired there saying other countries might try to follow suit, but, well, authoritarian regimes will do what authoritarian regimes always do, and Apple will either comply or pull out. Um, yes, yeah. I mean, it depends on it depends on whether you see it as an authoritarian, an authoritarian measure or whether you see it as that 
that country trying to be fairer because um, there was the, the the argument in Europe wasn't there about wanting to use apps from the local economy mm. rather than you be. know apps written by people in America effectively yeah um, yeah and you know and I have some sympathy with that and uh, well, uh, it, but it, it depends it, on what what they're actually installing <laughs> well yes it does you know um, although as you said before the show you know some people will say oh well Russia is doing this in order to um, you know, install things that you know maybe track their their citizens. Yes. But um, yeah. as you said, I don't. Why bother? Just ask Google or Facebook. <laughs> That's right. If you want the information, ask. Google. What was yeah. you know? What was Dmitry Yeltsin doing on the fifth of March? Please tell us, Facebook. Um, yes, he was here, 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 and he was buying this. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, it's a bit like in India. You know, India has a set of rules which Apple have had to comply with in order to, you know, get into the Indian market. And some yeah, people would yeah. look on them as protectionism and other people would look on them as anti-exploitative. And that is, if you want to sell Apple gear in India, you have to make some of it in India. Um, is that protectionism yeah. or is that a, a simple, you know, a reasonable trade-off? If you want to sell goods here, we insist that you employ some of our people in making it. Um, mm. That doesn't... <laughs> You know, that doesn't seem an unfair, relatively unfair. No, uh, it doesn't. You know, no, it doesn't. Trade off, really. Um, there we are. I've just had a mes- just had a message from Mac Chips, Mac Chips saying that the update's slow. Oh, very slow. There we go. He'll be back. Um, what else have we got? Um, Intel, of course, have been. Um, they've recruited Justin Long, the I am a Mac guy. Um. Oh yeah. Uh, to basically do a load of ads uh, promoting the PC over the, uh, you know, Apple's M1 machines. And uh, a lot of Apple users are very, very upset, apparently, about this. I'm not Um, sure I'd be upset. I think it's a bit ironic. Yeah, slightly ironic. Uh, Are are they really not inventive enough to be able to find someone else to do? Well, or, or they to actually you know, use the same guy is that you seems know a little bit all that's a deliberate a little bit dig. thumb on the nose isn't it yeah a little bit but um you know lordy lordy guess what actor gets paid to shill stuff actor shill stuff um <laughs> yeah, you know i'm right. sure he has bills to pay the same as the rest of us <laughs> we've got this gig do you want to do it what is it promoting pcs and taking you know Taking a little bit of a thumb up nose at Apple. Well, so yeah, and we'll pay you a lot of money for it. Uh, Yeah, okay. (laughs) If we back this truck full of cash and dump it on your lawn, will that do? You know, um, well, he probably doesn't need that. I mean, if they just basically said, Look, you're not working very much at the moment because you know, people in your trade are really struggling, so here's some money for doing some ads for us. He's gonna say, Oh, yeah, okay, oh, yeah, thank you very much, absolutely, absolutely. Um, as would any actor. Yes, precisely. Anyone would think anyone would think he was a big a big fan of Apple. I mean, I don't think he's ever actually stated that. No one or the other. He's an actor. Anyway, there we go. So anyway, yeah. they've they've been doing that and um, basically trying to uh, you know uh, diss the Apple MacBook Air and so on um, and promote their you know the PC in general as a better option. Um, there you go. That's <laughs> yeah. Good luck with good luck with convincing people of that. <laughs> yes. Um, Intel has slammed. Also, Intel has slammed Apple over MacBook Air battery lie, but owns itself in the process, according to iMore. Um, and uh, basically, they're saying, oh, um, Apple's claim of an eighteen-hour battery life. 
uh, for, you know, the MacBook Air is, is not really true because, um, that, you know, in testing, they have the screen set down to 150 nits, which is way, way down. And that's not how people use their, you know, use their computers in real life. However, um, they then have declared that um, whatever laptop it is they are testing um, has a fabulous um, a fabulous battery life. But if you look in the how we tested, they also run their screen at 150 nits. So of course they do. They because, all do it. I mean, because that's and, how they and, do and it. it's like cars, isn't it? It's like cars. Yes, this car will do 180 miles to the gallon. And when yeah. you get it, it sort of does, you know, 50. Yeah, yeah. How did <laughs> and, they do that? Yeah, well, it, they does drove... in, it, it, it does in ideal circumstances in a lab. Yeah, we drove ah, it We drove yeah. it on a rolling road at precisely 30 miles an hour under no load, you know. <laughs> yeah, shocker. Shocker, um, Shocker the company you know. exaggerates its, its equipment's abilities. Well, not actually exaggerate it. Yes. they do it. We, you know. I mean, the fact is, if it lasts 18 hours, fine. If it doesn't last 18 hours, if it still lasts all day, what do you care? Yes, exactly. Um, <sighs> apparently, uh, I, I read another piece about this. Um, there was a piece, somebody like uh, said, I decided to try my Dell XPS 13. And my, um, you know, MacBook Air M1 uh, in a real world setting, and they both managed to do uh, ten hours basically in, yeah, which is in, a, which is easily a working day. Yes, ten hours of For real of life. Um, <clears throat> you know, real life writing. You know, having Word open and Chrome open and uh, uh, blah, it's blah, blah blah blah, isn't it? Well, companies will always exaggerate. They will always give you the best possible scenario in the best in 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 very fixed testing because it makes them look good. <laughs> it's not that it won't do that; it will in those circumstances. Yeah. But um, yeah, I I may know what they're saying, but every company does it. It's not like it's not like Apple are unique in this. No. Well, as it says, every right. company does. It. Um. Intel has a new website dedicated to telling you why you shouldn't buy a Mac. It includes a section noting that Apple is not truthful about that M1 MacBook Air's battery life. The Acer Swift it com- 5 it compares it to is advertised using exactly the same tactic. Well, it's just, yeah. that's it. It's like that's industry standard how we do something to test the battery life. And that way we can claim we get 18 hours. Well, fine. Yeah, they got 18 hours under ideal condition. No, Don't get me wrong. I mean, as a consumer, I'd really like them to. Um, I'd really like them to give sort of you know average usage figures than, rather than ideal usage figures. Yeah, but we all we all but, know that, and we, we just, all know they do it. <laughs> as you said, with cars, you know, this car does things. You think, yeah, and in real world, I'll probably get half that. It's just that's just how it is. And yeah. Jim is back. Hello, Jim. Hello. Hello. Apple's, Apple's idea of 15 minutes is not 15 minutes. Oh, well, they're computer minutes. Did you not know that? Computer minutes are very elastic. Have you never yeah, had yeah, a... I think I saw for about 10 minutes waiting for it on the last minute to go. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say, I have had um, on one of the installs I did relatively recently. It got to about a minute remaining and sat there for an hour. So that was a very special elastic minute. There you go. But computers do that all the time, you know. Their uh, their version of time is a bit different from ours, I think. There we are. Yes. Oh dear. So um 
what else have we got? Um, Apple have discontinued the 512 gig and 1 terabyte SSD configurations of the 4K 21.5 inch iMac. Um, so effectively, That's unusual. Well, I wonder you know, why. Well, I guess they're running down the stocks in in you know in. Uh, oh, oh yeah, if they're not available, yeah. Yeah, they're running down the stocks in preparation for the new iMac. For the basically. new ones. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, yes, that does make sense in that case. So it's not like they've discontinued them; they've just run out of them. <laughs> well, they're they're basically on the build to order oh. options are no longer available. You can have a stock right. one, or you yeah. can hang on until something else comes out. Basically, well, there's two yeah. two ways of looking at it. Either there's a new iMac due out very very soon, or the supplies are uh, very short chip wise. Yep. There there is also that fact that you know supplies of uh, semiconductors are somewhat constrained at the moment because um, i might not use it later in the year uh, it tends to come out well i don't know that that the, that the macs have really have much of a set pattern they come out when apple decide they want to i mean they quite often come out around wwdc they tend to announce new macs don't they which is june mm. um I mean, the, the, the question is are we going to see a brand new design um I think we are. I, I don't think it takes much imagination to consider that it's probably going to look like a big iPad, the new um, the new iMac that will have square edges and Some, similar to the uh, Microsoft desktop. Yeah, to some extent. Yeah, yeah. I it's think, a big, big screen. Yeah, it will. I mean, yeah. lots of people have said it likely to look like the um the, the their super display um XDR display. I think it would look like a giant uh, iPad Pro, to be honest. I don't, that's my guess. That seems to be the current um, design language, doesn't it? You know, we've taken the design language of the um, iPhone 4 hmm. and um, gone with that. So I saw saw a hideous um, graphic of uh, some of the thoughts of what the new iMac would look like. It looked like... um, Frankenstein's daughter uh, crossed a a giant iPad with um, the pudding bowl. Mind the pudding bowl, I am. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Mm. There we go. Nobody really knows, do they? Nobody knows until Apple tell us. But uh, my bet is... Yeah, I'm sure they're they're hoping that if they're stopping selling them, that, that the others are coming soon. Yes. Well, also, I'm sure that's the the intention of the article is saying, the, "Hey, look, it could be soon." Yeah, mm-hmm. and also, of course, the twenty—I don't know, but I suspect the twenty-one and a half inch iMac is probably not as big a seller as the twenty-seven. Was oh, it supposed to be um, some key, keynote this month? Well, that yeah, but that's um, you know, that's all now been poo-pooed because nothing's happened. Oh, yeah. Right, okay. And, yeah, uh, it's supposed to be in a couple of days' time, and of course. They've not announced anything, so right, okay. no. As we were, we, laughing... we said at the beginning of the program while you were rebooting that you know they're going to suddenly <laughs> jump out from behind a bush and say surprise. Yeah. <laughs> Guess what? There we are. Um, so there you go. Build to order options on the uh, iMac twenty-one and a half inch appear to have uh, disappeared. The iMac Pro has now been removed from Apple's website and therefore is officially discontinued. Which is bye no bye. real surprise. They would like buy, you know, buy while stocks last. Um, 
and I assume that means Apple have no more stock. And there might be some in the supply, uh, you know, in the retail chain somewhere if you desperately wish to buy one. Um, we've got uh, some speculation here uh, from... This one's from... Oh, I believe this might be an Apple News-only link, actually. Um, will the new iMac come with... Um, a 16-core M1X or M2 processor, which is really a very speculative piece, of course. Um, <laughs> it could. It, it could, could do it well could, indeed. Could, could come or with it, something completely different. Or it might not. <laughs> it might or it might not. Um, what it could else? come with two M1 pro- processors. Yeah, that's a possibility, although that kind of um, defeats the object of having all the cores on one uh, yes. package. Yeah. So... I I think it's oh. going to be an M1X or an M2. I mean, the normal uh, clatter is... I, I would think there would be both an Intel and an M1 version. Really? Mm. I don't think they're going to make any more Intel ones. No, I don't think they're going to make any more Intel ones mm. at all. I, I think, the in, you know, Apple tend to go all in, don't they? You know, they don't... Well, yeah, yeah MacBooks are both Intel and M1. At they? the moment, but... Um, yeah, only... but, but yeah, it's only what they're still making, though, isn't it? They're not, they didn't design any new Intel ones, did they? Well, I mean, they, they released the new... What was it? The 2019 16-inch MacBook Pro was new, but I don't think... You might gonna... be right, Jim. You might be right. I can't see it myself. I can't no, see it. The transition was sub some like two years, wasn't it? Yeah, but it I started in the last year, so we're still in the first year of the. Yeah, transition. but usually when Apple do that, what they mean is it will take us two years before we have removed all the Intel machines from our lineup, and I'm pretty yeah. sure the and last. If they're, if they're if they're running down the the um twenty one and a half inch ones, if they're not replacing them, if they're not continuing to produce them, that implies they're just not going to make them anymore, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. Um. So there we go. Uh, we've had more betas this week. Um, I've got one queued up waiting to install as I speak, um, which is beta four, I think. Um, let me just check. Yes, that's um, Big Sur 11.3 beta four. Uh, queued up, ready to install after we've finished recording the show. Um, good. And I had a watch beta update today as well. Um, and I think, I think my phone updated to another beta yesterday. Uh, so there we go. More, more betas all round. More fun and games. Um, what else have we got? Uh, apparently iOS 14 isn't safe from forensic extraction technology, according to the Mac Observer. Um, Elms, Elcomsoft apparently have announced an update to its iOS forensic toolkit with version 7, which works on iPhone 12 models and iOS 14 through to iOS 14.3. Um, okay. Um, except most people are on 14.4 and soon to be 14.5. So, <laughs> not sure how, you know, effective that might be against newer versions. Um, forensic toolkit oh, means yeah. this software can extract your iPhone data like files, passwords, certificates, authentication tokens, keys, emails, histories, contacts, browsing, location data, and other app-specific data. Yes, that's what forensic data recovery is about, as Dougie has told us many times. Um, and in the same way as Dougie says, you know, this thing is a constant leapfrog. They will bring out tools that allow you to get into iPhones or Android devices or whatever, and then the OS makers will 
block such technologies from working. So what's what's quite ironic about the whole thing is at one time um, th- there were always there were always the hacking community that would try and break stuff so that they could do stuff on the things that they wanted to be able to that Apple wouldn't let them. Um, and, and now Apple seems to be fighting on two fronts because they're fighting the goodies, technically the goodies and the baddies <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> Uh, who were both trying to hack into their? Uh, uh, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if the uh, the uh, hacking community aren't somehow connected into the uh, the official um, police related uh, hacking. Oh, community well, I'm sure as well. they're all you know they're all. <laughs> it's all about. But as you, know, you say, it's a it's it's a leapfrogging thing. Yeah. Okay. It's... Yeah. Someone's broken broken into that now. Okay, it'll move on and. Yeah. Right. How do we stop them from doing that in future? That's it. So. Um, also, it's not it's not just it's not just iOS. It's affected you know, this way. Um, of course, Android not. will be no. exactly the same. It'll be yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. you know, Android will be easier. <laughs> yeah, it will be because you can hack yeah. that. Yeah, but uh, there we go. I mean, yeah, saying iOS fourteen isn't safe from forensic extraction technology. This is the Mac Observer. Um, it's a piece by Andrew Orr, who you know. Is, you know, it's a fairly respectable. He's not a hack, and um, that it isn't safe is a slightly strong term. Um, that's one of those. If you're not doing anything illegal, you really don't need to worry about it. To be honest. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Or you're not in the limelight, or you've or you've not lied to Parliament about. Oh, oh, we yeah. all we all know <laughs> someone who might have done that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there we go. But um, yeah, that that said person tends to brag about it, not try and keep it quiet. <laughs> and so we'll, yeah, let's not go there. Let's not go there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so yeah. Um, Forensic, you know, forensic uh, extraction technology can now apparently break into your iPhone 12 up to at least iOS 14.3. Whether or not 14.4 or 14.5, you know, has defences against that, who can say? Uh, So the moral of the story is if you're a bad guy, keep your phone up to date. (laughs) Well, yeah, if you're a bu- <laughs> Well, yeah, it is to some extent. It is, to some extent, yeah. Um, uh, yes, I'm a Mac star. Justin Long pivots to Intel in new ads mocking M1 Max, which we talked about earlier, in in line with the thing about Intel and their, um, you know, battery tomfoolery. Um, Vivaldi browser has fired up performance with a new version. You're a Vivaldi user, aren't you, uh, Jim? Uh, yeah, occasionally. Uh, I, I jump between Safari and Favaldi. Depends on what I'm doing. Uh, it certainly seems to be a lot faster now, um, loading pages and stuff. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I, I like the I like the uh, the app itself. Yeah, I have I have used Vivaldi. Um, I quite liked it. Um, at the moment, my fallback <laughs> is Firefox, but you know, my second mm. string browser tends to change. I did I, I did like Vivaldi. Um, I think I, re- I like, replaced Vivaldi I like with sentence. clicks, but then clicks is now gone. So yeah, I like the sentence in the middle. It says the latest update of Vivaldi. Um, it offers a faster version that will help you shave seconds, even minutes off your day, and potentially hours in a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a window opens twenty six fast percent faster than before. Um, also now includes native support for M1 processors. So, uh, Jolly good. It's certainly much more easy to update than Chrome or, or uh, Fire, um, Firefox. Firefox and Chrome are a bit of a nightmare to try and uh, get the latest updates into it. It's trying to find the, the update part of it is, you know, the, the settings is um, it's like trying to solve a Chinese puzzle at times. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
Firefox. I think you normally do um, about Firefox, and it will tell you the the number, and that triggers a check. Or um, mm. I think that's how that one works. As I say, I right. I have Firefox as a, a fallback in case I go somewhere and Safari really doesn't like it. Um, but you, yeah. you, you don't come across I, that I, very I, much these days. I'll admit. Yeah, I, I, I keep uh, Chrome and Firefox on there. Um, simply because there are times when I need to use the browsers. Like when I did the uh, As Best as Awareness course, um, it would not work on Safari at all. Um, so I had to have yeah. Chrome or, or Firefox to get it to work. So Yeah, there are there still are some particularly big-related things that tend yeah. to be a bit fussy about what they'll run in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, it's dumb. Yeah, so you know, it's always a good idea to have two different browsers. Yeah. Backup. Yeah, yep. when I was uh, when I was still working, um, I used to use Chrome to. Um, was it Chrome or Firefox? No, I think it might have been Firefox. No, it was Chrome, definitely Chrome, to to log into work because um, again, um, because it was using technology that expected um, to be able to find certain things that only only Chrome would support. So, uh, well, it, so it was to easier be... to do that. And then I only used the I only used that browser for that particular yeah activity. It used to be Flash. You had to go to Chrome to get Flash. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah I think did. at one time it was Flash. Yeah, mm-hmm. you needed. I think they were to, yes. using Flash for part of it because um, Apple stopped installing Flash by default. Although you could still install it yourself, but the easy way yes. around it was to use Chrome, which had Flash built into it. So until they pulled it as well. So there you go. Um, uh, Facebook is apparently developing a version of Instagram for children under thirteen. Lovely. <sighs> Yeah. Can't, uh, you know, <laughs> I can't see anything going horribly wrong with that, can you? No. No, of course not. No. <laughs> privacy? What privacy? Mm. Get them hooked early, I guess, you know. Get them sucked into the data mincer as quickly as possible. Um, Yeah, I can't see that ending well, I have to say. Um, There we are. And um, last on the technology story, your 8 terabyte hard drive might seem big now, but 120 terabyte disk drives are on the way, according to PC Goodness Mag. Goodness gracious. Um, what do we this... need 120 terabytes for? Yep, I know. Um, I mean, I mean, okay, I mean, even even some of the big stuff now. I mean, unless unless you're doing video, really high resolution video. Um, um, I mean, at the moment, I I'm doing uh, the video I'm doing is 720, um, which okay isn't particularly high resolution, but doesn't take up that much space. Well, yeah, if, I, you're, if you if you if you're filming and if if you're doing 4K or 8K, um, if you're doing it if you're doing it for a business, if you do if you're doing yeah. it where you're doing a lot of videoing, yeah, I can sort of mm-hmm. see it for those. But for the average user, I mean, it's just no, complete over. This is not actually for your average user. It says Seagate's roadmap points to much more capacious HDDs in the coming years. Be- bearing in mind that this is, you know, traditional spinning platter technologies. Uh, Seagate yeah. will launch a 100 terabyte hard disk drive in less than a decade, which is more than five times the capacity of today's biggest hard disk drives. Um, and be- sometime after 2030, it will push a single drive storage capacities to 120 terabytes and beyond. Um, well, they used to say you can never have enough storage, so... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you go over to Newegg, the largest, largest hard disk drive available are 18 terabytes, uh, with different models starting at about $400, um, which contains uh, nine platters, uh, three-and-a-half-inch, uh, you know, SATA-connected 
hard disk drive um, and in, is intended for the enterprise market. Um, part of their effort okay. to massively increase... I can understand increase... it for the enterprise market. Yes, it's, yeah. it's, it's uh, you know, this is for data centres and they're not, you know, this is not for ordinary users. I mean, let's face it, ordinary users, if anything, are, are going the opposite direction a lot of the time yes. now. Um, yeah, the way I would have... The worry I would have with uh, that amount of platters is uh, reliability. Uh, yes, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of things that go wrong inside that hard drive. Uh, that that, that yeah, is having big... said that. Mm. Having said that, I mean, there's companies like um, what's it that, that um, Backblaze? Yeah, that do they do they do you know reliability charts on mm. all the hard drives that they use. Um, it it doesn't it isn't always necessarily about size and um, that that makes them reliable or not reliable. No, it's, uh, it's a, a, a right to take into account. A lot of things to take into account. I mean, what is going on with this page? I can't, it it won't scroll properly and it jumps all over the place. And... <laughs> well, there was some talk about uh, new technologies coming out that uh, would store data, vast amounts of data. There was like three D. Uh, Recording, you know, so I'm trying to remember what it was. There was some, Holog- some holographic thing. recording, was yeah. one of the things they yeah. were talking about. Uh, yeah, and there was even a talk about the wire coming back again. Mm. It's, I don't know. I mean, obviously, yeah, there's, a good, there's a good question, though. I mean, they're talking about they're talking about platters and not SSDs, yeah, because this is, mm. yeah, because th- this is, yeah, this is this is storage in data centers and they don't mm. they, they do use ssds in data centers but usually only on critical stuff that needs to be accessed very quickly right um uh, but for general backup um they still use spinning drive yeah because mm-hmm. they, they, they... God, it said seagate accounted for over a zettabyte yes of ship storage last year that's incredible the need for bulk storage is continually growing and that's not going to change anytime soon no because as more and more of everything we do is online and online, <laughs> yes, all this stuff has to go somewhere, you know. Yeah, it's not. It's not like it really is in a cloud. <laughs> no, it's not in a cloud. It's in a honking great factory full of hard spinning hard drives. That's the truth. Yeah. Um. It, yeah. I just, you know, it's not a surprising story to me. I mean, you know, eight terabyte eight. HDD might seem big now, but you know, 120 terabyte drives are coming. It, I remember it just means when the, te- the technology is still moving on, doesn't it? Uh, it? It's still so they're talking about a new technology called heat assisted magnetic recording. Yeah, it, that will are... increase, make it possible to store even more. more. I mean, it's great. I mean, just shows te- um, technology. The march of technology never stops. It's, no, uh... they're constantly refining it. I mean, the last thing they they were on about wasn't it was. Um, putting the magnetic material um down onto the surface so that the the you know the the material it stands vertically at a molecular oh, right, level. Yeah, yeah so that in instead of the particles being you know let's say four atoms long they become four atoms deep and therefore you can jam that many more particles onto the platter one of the things they did previously just they just keep going on i mean i remember when people started talking about gigabyte hard drives no (laughs) yeah (laughs) i remember my first 80 megabyte hard drive blimey yeah (laughs) cost me 400 quid (laughs) yeah i'm just waiting for the data crystals to come out yeah exactly (laughs) aren't we all aren't we all so there we go um jolly good 
Here we go. Uh, HAMR is a technology designed to enable the next big increase in the amount of data that can be stored on a drive. It uses a new kind of media magnetic technology on each disk, which allows data bits or grains to become smaller and more densely packed than ever before, whilst remaining magnetically stable. Um, okay. A small laser diode attached to the recording head heats a teeny tiny spot on the disk, which enables the recording head to flip the magnetic polarity of each very stable bit. Okay. You've got to admire these people because it really is some clever technology. Oh, it's mm. amazing, isn't it? Um, isn't it? No. I mean, it wasn't a long ago, it was just pen and paper. Yeah. <laughs> you think um, about it. Right. As they say here, um, Right, as they move on from perpendicular magnetic recording, which is the technique we were just talking about, um, as we approach the maximum useful capacity of PMR technology, a successive drive increase is one or two terabytes at a time. With HAMR technology, it will allow us to jump in steps of four, six, or ten terabytes at a time. So, very good. The, the the thing uh, thing we, we seem to forget about is backward compatibility. Uh, when you bring all these things out with vast amounts of data stored on them, um, there's going to com- come a point where, well, in fact, we're at that point just now where there's a lot of data uh, stored that can't be read. Um, and look, what was that last year the, they were looking for technicians to uh, operate some? Oh, yeah. Yeah, some kind of backup system or a computing system. Yeah, that, uh, um, COBOL. I think they were they needed I, people who who could work in COBOL. Yeah, yeah which is a very good right. oh, yeah. yeah. the current stuff. Yeah. Um. Well, it's not. It's not that. It's that. I mean, COBOL was in in use a lot, but um, not many people bothered to learn it anymore because it's an old. Yeah, language. in many ways, we're in a much better place than we were. I mean, at one time there were lots of proprietary um storage systems um but now so much stuff gets stored on the on the on the web in the cloud whatever you want to call it um uh that it's it's format and the way it's stored is completely irrelevant really um to to the average user yes because we have nothing we you know we don't have we don't have any connection to the actual hard drives on the machines wherever they are um so in some ways it's a lot easier to store things now and know that they're going to be there in 10 years time the, the the one thing that uh, most people forget about with, with regards to data storage is what happens to your data when you finally kick the bucket. Um, yeah, that's, because, that's an interesting topic. Yes. Yeah. yeah you, right. Your your family and family will be locked out of stuff that uh, you know, lots of you know, memories, photographs, recordings. Um, we we we'll hear a lot about um, all these new ways of storing it, but obviously security comes into it how do you how do you get it so that if you do well you will when we do all eventually kick the bucket how does your family get that information without a court battle um is there currently a court battle on with a lady who a family who uh, were trying to get stuff about you know the deceased member of the family um yeah right okay that's interesting we seem to be we're looking at the storage and not forget, not looking at you know, how do we get around these problems. Yeah, I mean there really ought to be a like a digital key. Mm. Yeah, like a digital uh, um, will, if you like, yeah. That, yeah. that sort of says, and I leave all my data to somewhere when locking all. Ah, yeah, and not yeah. just a bit of paper under the desk. <laughs> yes, yeah. 
Um, yes, I, I don't think I'm, I'm sure people out there have thought about it, but I've never I've not heard of anything official that is mm-hmm. uh, is is um, is possible. I mean, no. one of the things, of course, is storing as much as you can of your uh, of access stuff into a password manager and whatever, and then making sure that the person that someone will have that password mm-hmm. so that they can get into your accounts and whatever. Um, that's what that's one way of uh, of dealing with it. Yeah, very much so. You know, it, it, it's a bit uh, like but, the... it, but it's but it's a. It's a fairly unofficial way at the moment. Yes, but that's um, there is no official way. It's a bit like the like making a will, and um, yeah, um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna check on Take Control Books if they have a book on it. Um, digital legacy, they tend to call it. Um, yeah, I remember Alison doing a program about it a few years ago. Yes, here we go. Uh, preserve your data for posterity. Take control of your digital legacy. Um, by Joe Cassell. Um, right. How do you wish to be remembered? A will takes care of your physical possessions, but what about your digital life? Photos, email, files, the like. Um, oh, Joe Cassell offers advice on dealing with large quantities of data, file formats, media types, and the need for a digital executor. So uh, there you go. Ooh. If you want to read, you know, get some advice on that, pop over to Take Control Books. And um, Joe Cassell has a book on exactly that. There we go. Um, or, of course, use your search engine of choice to look up digital legacy. Uh-huh. Uh, we're going to move on to the last few bits and pieces. Uh, Dropbox and LastPass announced changes to free password managers. Uh, the LastPass one, of course, we talked about when they announced it. Um, this is now, uh, you know, going live. Uh Yes, so uh, Dropbox has announced it will launch a free password manager in April, um, while LastPass are uh, changing their offering to be mobile or desktop only, depending which you wish to choose if you stay on the free tier. Um, If you have an account on Dropbox, you can manage your passwords for free starting next month with a Dropbox basic account, although it will limit you to 50 passwords. Um, Don't know how many people... um, you know, is 50 a lot? I don't know. Probably not, really. Oh, no, I wouldn't have thought so. No. Um, If you pay Dropbox $11.99 a month for the Plus account, you can use the Dropbox password with no limits and will allow users to securely share passwords to other accounts. Um, there you go. Um, it's a bit steep, I think. Well, that, that's because that's basically you're paying for a Dropbox Plus account with extended storage and, and so on, and then they're mm. chucking in the last the password manager for free, effectively. Oh, okay. And if you're not paying, they'll limit you to 50 passwords, which I suppose is not unreasonable. Um, if you're the sort of person who doesn't do a lot, 50 may well be enough, you know. Mm. Your Facebook and your email and various other things. Yeah, yes, yeah, so I suppose if, yeah, if you're an average user, you might only use a handful anyway. The change of the last pass, it's a case of it's either desktop or mobile. Yes, that I is. Assume, I assume when it comes to mobile or desktop, it doesn't matter which platform it is. No, no. You can you can use both Android and iOS. Oh yeah, they they um they published the, what, a, they published a list of devices which would it's un, still unlimited um devices, but. Um, you can have either computers or mobile devices, and they've got a list here of what falls in what. Yeah, um, but can you have an Android and an iOS device using passwords at one time? 
Yes, last pass of, you, you uh, can. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Last pass originally was unlimited devices, which was why it was so highly recommended as the best free password manager mm. because there was almost no restriction on it whatsoever. Um, now it's unlimited devices, but you can either be in the computer bucket, right, which includes all browsers running on desktops and laptops, or mobile devices, including mobile phones, smartwatches, and tablets. Um, LastPass free will only include access on unlimited devices of one type, as in, you know, right. one bucket. Okay. Um, right, here we go. It says, Jamie is a free user with computers as their active device type. They can use LastPass on laptop, desktop, dad's laptop, anyone's computer. They cannot use LastPass on their phone, tablet or smartwatch unless they upgrade. Alex is a free user with mobile devices. They can use LastPass on phone, Android, work phone, tablet, smartwatch, but they cannot use it on their desktop or laptop unless they upgrade right. to premium, okay. which has unlimited device type access, which, you know, as we've said before, um, it's a bit annoying for those of us who are using the free one, but I can understand it. I mean, it was so unlimited, it was almost a case of there's no point paying for it. Um, if you're a current... Yeah, you are, uh, you are paying a bit more, actually. Yeah, so, so at the moment, the cost for the Plus... Uh, sorry, going back to Dropbox. Um, if you if you're paying for the Plus at the moment, you're paying seven ninety nine. Mm. Um, so presumably you're paying another what three quid, uh, four quid, aren't you? Well, it's not really free then, is it? Passwords as well. <laughs> it's not really free unless they were going to upgrade prices anyway, and they've chucked that in as a way to sweeten the deal. But um, at the moment, you can upgrade to premium if you're a current free user of LastPass. You can upgrade to premium for an exclusive limited time discount and get premium for $2.25 per month billed annually. Um, so uh, the, the, way, the way I'd read it, you know, the, the original news about it, I, I'd read it or misread it, and um, I deleted the app off my iPhone because I was using it on um, my Android tablet. Uh, but afterwards, I realised, oh, hang on, it must must be you must be able to use it on both devices. So I put oh, it yeah. Yeah, you can use it on, like, yeah. you know, now, you're basically it's computers or mobile devices yeah. um if you're using yeah. it for free i yeah. um i am considering i have to admit uh paying for the last pass yeah, i just i decided that uh, i'd give up the fight against uh, one password and <laughs> i've subscribed to one password now Fair enough. <laughs> uh, I, 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 it was easier to give it get give in and have all the latest features and things well the other thing i did was i've got a bit bit warden yeah i've got yeah. bit warden as a backup yeah um Bitwarden's good, but it's not quite as good as LastPass. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm considering, you know, giving in and, and paying for the LastPass premium so that I can use it well, everywhere. The only reason why I've got LastPass is purely for the Android tablet um, because yeah. I, I subscribe to two um, PDF-based um, photography magazines. Um, and because my iPad's been running out of space, I, I bought the... Uh, fire tablet to put all my magazines onto uh, so I needed the passwords to, to be able to download my you know, monthly copy uh, so that's the only reason why I've got last passwords so it's basically there's about four passwords on it yeah, yeah. Oh, there we go uh, so everything seems to be going over to subscription or pay everything seems to be just we're getting hit you know one after the other everything's going cough up cough up yeah, yeah. unfortunately you do have to sort of make a decision at some point, yeah. don't you? That whether you whether you're prepared to pay that or not. I mean, when I retired, I I did a really big tidy out of all the things I paid into, 
It was actually quite a lot. Uh, I hadn't realised I'd signed up to quite so many things. So an awful lot of them went by the by at that point. Um, but I do, I do pay. I pay for my um, Backblaze storage, and I pay. I'm now paying for my One Password as well. Stuff. And, the, and there's a, a a thing to think about, and that is check who what what you're subscribing to because we we know someone who discovered <laughs> paying for. A subscription that they hadn't even realised they subscribed to. So check check your subscriptions, people. Yes, yes, do yeah, it's worthwhile your... going in and and check them occasionally. Check them regularly. Yeah. Um, I do. I check mine on a regular basis. Um, partly because you know I have children who tend to download things without paying attention yes. to whether they you know oh look that looks good and it's free for a week or something. And it's particularly know. easy in iOS and stuff, isn't it? To to check it, so yes, it is. And, and also, if you're using things like Apple Pay or other forms of electronic payments, also check what you're paying for. Because there was a story the other day of a lady who bought bananas and she got a bill for like two thousand two thousand pounds or dollars for a, ba- for a bunch of bananas. <laughs> <laughs> it was like an error in the uh, the system. Whoops! Very expensive bananas, obviously. <laughs> Wonder if I could find that story. Thinking about it, um, I think you put it in the. I think you put it in the uh, Slack room, Jim. Does it? Yeah, I think you put might put it in possible stories in the Slack room. Um, right. Because yes, because it said because she used Apple Pay, which has no limit on it, unlike most other um, you know tap to pay cards. She got billed two thousand two hundred dollars for a bunch of bananas. Apparently, <laughs> I'm sure they sorted it out for her. I, I print. I, I'm but, sure they uh, did. Yeah, but. Um, Otherwise, they well, were very... she, was at, she was charged one thousand five hundred ninety nine pounds for the bunch of bananas, and she was she got a final bill of two thousand two hundred dollars for a bunch of bananas. Don't pay his bananas. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, did they? You know, did somebody deliver them by hand from um, you know wherever they were grown? Dear oh dear, bought uh, through harvests. <laughs> <laughs> But other, yes, other stores are available. Um, yeah, going back to the to the password managers. I mean, you know, if you want a password manager for free, there are free ones still available. Uh, notably, Bitwarden, um, which I have been using. But as I say, it's not quite as seamless as LastPass was. Um, so I think I might be, I might decide to bite the bullet on that and pay for LastPass. Um, which the Safari is, do passwords. Well, like you, I mean, your iOS device has the keychain, which yeah. you know is so very, very so good. Free, yeah, you've got a free one then. Uh, yeah, there's a last resort. Yeah, there right. is a free one built into the Mac and iOS, and if you have it on, uh, you know, put on, turn on iCloud keychain, you can use it everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, that doesn't right. work if you go onto a non-Apple device. Um, and the other issue, the reason that I started using LastPass was because I had that thing where. My Mac decided for some reason that it was going to throw away all my stored keychain passwords. Oh yeah, that's right. It, it threw away like all my not the Apple ones and and things like that, but all the all the ones for websites and things. It threw them all away for un, unknown reason. It just decided that they didn't exist anymore, which was exceedingly annoying. Um, so I. I decided that I I was glad that I'd been using LastPass because that meant a large number of them were also in there. But I I, I think that was a kind of a iCloud screw up. But um, mm. I was not best I pleased. Tend to forget sometimes when I'm talking to people about passwords that there's keychain. I mean, 
I, <laughs> I was talking to one lady who, uh, who I help with her computer occasionally, uh, and she just hadn't realized that that's what that was. She says, yeah, this gray box gets in the way. I said, yeah, that's, that's it, it, it offering to complete your password for you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, so, uh, that was a bit of a stupid thing to ask, uh, as Apple got one. <laughs> yeah, you get it, you get it uh, offered to you every time you go for a password. Uh, yeah. 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 But it's it's kind of invisible in some ways. Yeah, it, it, it's not you know it's a sort of passive thing. It's there, but it yeah. doesn't you know it doesn't announce because, itself in the way of LastPass yeah. or whatever. Um, it, no, right. Passwords are usually pretty good. Yeah, they're long and uh, buried. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the biggest problem with Keychain is if you want to recover something from it mm. manually, uh, you know you've got to go open the Keychain app, find the one you want, open it, do show me the password, authenticate yourself, get the password, copy the password. Um, obviously, you know, it, it, it will auto-fill things and whatnot for you, but if you want to recover the password for some reason, um, that's not, whereas, you know, it's a bit Bitwarden, fiddly. Yes, yeah. it's a bit fiddly, whereas, you know, a password mm. manager will usually have a, you know, quick search option. I mean, Bitwarden, you click on the icon and it's got, um, you know, quick search, your vault. Um, well, the go. last time I tried to get into Keychain and the, the Mac, uh, it was a bit of a nightmare because uh, could I remember the password I was to look for? I'm thinking, what password was it? Uh, eventually, I got into the thing, but um, it can't be a bit of a nightmare at times. Yes. A, 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 a good password manager is essential. And, mm. you know, Keychain is very good. Um, and, of course, most browsers will store your passwords for you um, on the machine. But that's, you know, not the same as something that's available on all your devices. So. But it is important that you remember the password. Yes. <laughs> that gets you into your password manager. Yes, the master password. <laughs> I, I know one or two people who get very confused about which passwords they've used for what. <laughs> I know, which is why, I do, <laughs> you know, I make sure that things go into both and I manually enter things like the master password for uh, the password manager into Keychain um, yeah. so that I can get it from there if I need it. Um, there we go. Right. Uh, more server vulnerability misery, chaps. Um, hackers are exploiting a server vulnerability which has a severity of 9.8 out of 10, according to Ars Technica. Um, this is um, affecting big IP servers, uh, which apparently are made by an American company called F5. Um, when this decides to open for me, um, there we are. Um, it says here, um, in a development, security pros have feared attackers are actively targeting yet another set of critical server vulnerabilities, leaving corporations and governments open to serious network intrusions. Uh, this time it is Big IP, a line of server appliances sold by Seattle-based F5 networks. Customers use IP, Big IP servers to manage traffic in and out of large networks. Tasks include load balancing, DDoS mitigation, and web application security. Um, last week, F5 disclosed and patched critical big IP vulnerabilities which allow attackers to gain complete control of a server. Um, despite a severity rating of 9.8 out of 10, the security flaws were overshadowed by the Microsoft Exchange server uh, debacle a week earlier. Um, while security researchers weren't busy attending to the unfolding exchange mass compromise, many of them warned it was a matter of time before the F5 vulnerability also came under attack. This day has come. 
Um, on Friday, NCC Group said, we are seeing full chain exploitation of the vulnerability which allows remote attackers with no password or credentials to execute commands of their choice on vulnerable big IP devices. Oops. Yeah, hot, d- yeah, d- uh, yeah, a little bit further down, it does say it's only one of several critical big IP vulnerabilities mm. F5 disclosed and patched last week. So this is not an ongoing, it's been patched. So yes, as long as, as long yeah. as as long as they've updated their servers, <laughs> it, it isn't a danger anymore. No, it's another one of those. Um, other researchers have reported internet-wide scans divide to locate big IP servers which are still vulnerable. Um, yeah, so update, 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 update. Yes, here we go. Um, after this post went live, F5 issued a statement which read, we are aware of attacks targeting recent vulnerabilities published by F5. As with all critical vulnerabilities, we advise customers to update their systems as soon as possible. There you go. Um, there we are. More misery for server admins, by the look of it. Um, it's ke- it keeps them in a job. No, yeah, keeps them, keeps them busy, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and exchange floors could be worse than thought. Six hacking groups suspected of using a zero days pre-patch, apparently, according oh, to the register. Um, I'm, glad, I'm glad most of this stuff doesn't really affect us. Yes. <laughs> it's looking like the exploitation of critical exchange floors uh, could be much worse than first suspected. Um, ESET claims that six advanced criminal hacking groups thought to have some level of state sponsorship used zero days to attack government and industry sites before the floors were patched. Um, there we go. Um, Tell us something we don't know. Yeah. Pick a nightmare scenario. Either a state-sponsored team found and exploited the floors, probably for a while before someone found them and shared them to similar groups. The second possibility um, is that DevCore or Microsoft's security team was penetrated. Uh, or finally, there's a possibility that one or more of Redmond's security partners is feeding information to the enemy. Or the truth could be a mishmash <laughs> of all of these. Oh, oh, you want me password? Oh, okay. It's, uh... <laughs> yeah. There we go. It's um, password one, two, three. Um, as they say in spying circles, when it comes to a choice between conspiracy and cock-up, it's best to lean on the side of cock-up. Mm. There we are. Um, and that's pretty much all of the stories, chaps. Um, we will put the thing, I will find the story that Jim mentioned about the bunch of bananas and put that in the show notes. Um, I've got a worth a chirp, which is from Dougie which is how to auto-remove annoying tracking codes in URLs you shown you share from your phone, um, which uh, basically is how to build a shortcut which will remove such garbage from the end of uh, codes you wish to share. Ah, okay. Um, which he posted in the Slack room the other day. Um, and for those who don't know, URL tracking codes are that great long string of garbage which appears after the main URL. You can usually find it by looking. It usually starts with either a question mark or ref. Um, there we are. Um, so, yeah, a link to Dougie's tip there on how to use a shortcut to uh, remove that stuff. That will shorten your... Uh, shared links to just the link and not all the tracking guns. Um, and the just a snippet for this week, uh, Mark's van life videos can be found on YouTube. Um, and I'll put a link in the show notes, which is Mark making videos about living in his van. <laughs> um, which not? I'm about, I'm, but yes, 
Um, well, uh, Carl on Mac and Forth mentioned them uh, this week, so I thought I'd ask Mark where they were because they're not in his essential Apple channel. Obviously, they're oh, in his right. own. They're in his own private channel. Um, so link to that is in the show notes. I think you can find it if you search for Mark C on YouTube. Um, and I think they're called uh, A V L T. A van life thing. So you could probably find them by searching for that as well. There we are. And I think uh, we'll call that a show, chaps. Why not? Why not? Good oh. So, uh, Jim, do you want to tell everybody where people can find you and your stuff? Uh, and Flickr as the SRPS paint shop um, in the Slack group on Vimeo. Uh, you'll find the link in the show notes. Uh, that's about it, I think. And of course, you are, uh, you know, in charge of the essential Apple Flickr group as well. Uh, all the that's links, great. all the links are in the show notes. Right, uh, Nick. Uh, yeah, you can find me very occasionally on Twitter. I'm uh, Spligosh, S P L I G O S H. Occasionally on Bart Show when he's doing it at a reasonable hour, <laughs> and uh, and also in the Slack, um, offering my um, words of wisdom. <laughs> Or, or not, as the case may be. Or not, as the case may be, depending on how you know what to interpret that. How wise I'm feeling at that moment. Yes. Indeed. <laughs> uh, I am, of course, in the Slack, and I am on Twitter as at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. If you want to follow the show's Twitter, that's at Essential Apple, unsurprisingly. Uh, of course, the EssentialApple.com is where you can find all of our stuff, and uh, that's about it. So uh, until next week, thank you for listening. Thank you for all the people who support the show. Uh, and we'll be back next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Essential Apple podcast. And I'd like to say if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, feel free to go over to the website essentialapple.com and you will find links to both Patreon and the Pinecast Tips Jar, where you can make a donation towards the costs of the show. Uh, or even if you're really keen, you could set up a recurring payment. And thank you very, very much to all the people who already do support us. We really do appreciate you very much indeed. This show is, of course, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network, where you can find a variety of other shows like the My Mac Podcast with Guy and Gaz, the G-Men, Tech Fan with Tim and David, the Nintendo Club Podcast, the Geekiest Show Ever, the Three Geeky Ladies, uh... Bart Bouchotts and his wonderful Let's Talk Apple, and possibly some more that I've forgotten. So why not go over to mymac.com, take a look at the available podcasts, and take a listen. My gal pals, Elisa, Susie, and Vicky, the three geeky ladies, told me to remind you that they will release a new podcast each month. So, check them out at 3geekyladies.com or subscribe in iTunes. The Three Geeky Ladies, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network. Looking for a show that talks about Apple and Apple products? Then Geekiest Show Ever is for you. What about Amazon? Google. Geekiest Show Ever is for you. Mesh networks, distance learning, all kinds of technology, interviews. Yes, Geekiest Show Ever covers that too. I'm Elisa Paselli. And I'm Melissa Davis. 
Listen to the geekiest show ever on the MyMac Podcasting Network in your favorite podcast player. Feedback, show ideas, and reviews, always welcome. told me I couldn't access uh, my Dropbox. Uh, I had too many devices connected. Uh, oh, ma- yeah. Maximum three is allowed. I'm like, I've got three attachments, include- includes the iPad. So I, dis- I-, I had to log out and re-log back in again. Hmm. Well, not, not, not just log in, I had to actually deselect that iPad and, re- and right. re-select it. So did it did it think it was another iPad? You'd got more than one iPad or something? Yeah, it must have done. Yeah, yeah it's a, a little bit of a pain about it. Although, I must, having said that, I've been using Dropbox quite a lot recently so when i'm doing stuff down at church and recording stuff on the computer at church it's just so useful just to drop everything in dropbox and then when i'm home it's all on my computer at home and i can get straight on with it it's uh i must admit drop dropbox method of working is there's nothing quite like it really there are other things you can do but dropbox is very good at it making it nice and simple i do i use um i must admit i use OneDrive more than dropbox Right, yeah, it's a sort of thing, really. Oh, it's very, very, very yeah. similar. Um, well, the other one I've got is Box. I've got Dropbox and Box. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yes, I've got Box as well. Yeah. I don't use Box I anywhere near really as much. It. Yeah. It's just really useful to be, as I say, logged in, in under two different accounts, and then mm-hmm. the, the folders are shared, um, and it what, just means I can get stuff from church very easily. What, what, really, what really annoyed me with uh, Box was some years back I got, uh, I think it was 50 gigs, of space. Oh, that's right. And they, then they took some of it away, didn't they? Yeah, they took it away. Yeah. Hmm. Yes, I found that a bit annoying as well. Because I've got a big box. I've got a big box count, um, 30 gig or something. Still. I mean, I've got oh, a yeah. big, very, you know, I've got, relatively speaking, a big OneDrive because I signed up for it when they first brought it out under the name SkyDrive. Oh, right, yeah. And then they did this thing where if you, if you install, when, when the, you know, um, iOS came along, Microsoft did a, 
you know, an iOS app and said, if you install this and, and like attach it to your OneDrive account, we'll give you a big bonus. They gave me a big, you know, an extra, I don't know what it was. It was a big, it was a big bung anyway, which meant that I had loads of storage, relatively speaking, in OneDrive. And then there was a point where they were going to take, try to take some of it away. But if you had already got it, all you had to do was, um, they sent out an email going. and you had to send a thing back saying, no, please don't cut my storage down. And, um, then it was like, well, if you don't use it for 60 days or something, you'll be moved down to the lower tier or something. But basically I'm grandfathered mm-hmm. in. So I just get this, um, so I use that. I, I do use Dropbox, oh, but, um, I do use Dropbox, but I use it less since they limited the number of devices you could have attached to it yeah yeah i found that a bit of a pain but the fact is i only really use it now just for transferring stuff from church to here so i don't need that much storage even you know a few gig is is more than enough yeah yeah because literally i drag it in come home and then drag it out (laughs) yeah yeah well i mean you know I, i prefer i like OneDrive and dropbox both because they're like live sync um yes box is a bit funny it's a good place to stick stuff if you like yeah. it's sort of backup date space but um it's not a live sync thing so yeah yeah that's the big advantage of dropbox isn't it is that it's uh, literally drag and drop and that's it or 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 just drag it into the relevant box on your uh, on, on your mac <laughs> exactly 